what quantitative investing would suggest would tell you is at some point when those fundamentals get too high, you got to stop buying the stock because it can't be a great investment moving forward. It may still be a great company making amazing products. Does it make it a great investment? this episode of Early Bird, Stuart Cruz, founder and president of Cruz Asset Management. Stuart joins the podcast today to talk about quantitative investing and quantitative asset management in 2023, including the advantages and disadvantages. If you're an investor looking to stay on top of the latest market trends, then you're listening to the right podcast. This is Early Bird, and I'm your host, Stephen Lerner. Before we get to today's discussion, let me tell you how you can save time and beat the market through Early Bird, a free daily email newsletter featuring commentary about the latest trends in stocks, cryptocurrency, and equity crowdfunding. Early Bird is designed to help individual and non-professional investors stay on top of all of the critical investing trends. The newsletter is 100% free and is sent to your email box each weekday morning. Subscribe to Early Bird for free at www.earlybird.email. Once again, that's earlybird.email. And now, today's discussion. All right, Stuart, welcome to the Early Bird Podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I'm excited. Today, we're going to talk about quantitative asset management and how investors could use it when picking different stocks in the stock market. But before we get to that, Stuart, what, what should the audience know about you? Um, if you could, in 30 seconds or less, uh, what, what, what parts of your biography do you think uh, the audience should know about you and your background? Well, if we're talking about quantitative investing, you know, I do have a deep numbers background. So I have a chemi degree, chemical engineering degree from Northwestern, an MBA in um, finance and in game theory from Kellogg. And I'm um, just an all-around kind of numbers guy. But outside that, I like to play a lot of beach volleyball. I have four kids, and I've jumped out of over 100 airplanes. Nice. <laughs> Those are great hobbies to do, especially in the work yeah. that yeah. – yeah, especially in the work that you're involved with uh, at, at, at your company. Um, quantitative asset management, um, that's the topic we're talking about today, Stuart. Uh, what, what's a good definition for quantitative asset management? Yeah, I would. The way I define it is using numbers, statistics, mm -hmm. and math to make investment decisions. And I think most people's concept are that in the financial world, most financial professionals do that. And to some extent, they obviously use some numbers, but they don't make their decisions based off of the math and statistics generally, not even the high-end portfolio managers. So that's what we do at Cruise Asset Management. All of our stocks, all of our sectors, all of our countries, all of the models that we build are all built based off of math and statistics. And if you ask me why I made a trade that I did, if I were, let's say, buy or sell Apple stock, there's a mathematical reason behind it, not just, well, the earnings came out or they're releasing a product and I felt like it was a good time to do this. Or, you know, it's off 20% off of its highs, so it seems like it's out of bargain. That's using math, kind of, but we use it all the way. So we'll we'll use we'll use criteria of what tends to put the odds in your favor. So it's a little bit like I the analogy I use is going to Las Vegas. So when I walk into Las Vegas and I 
play in the casinos, I'm gambling because the odds are against me. And if I play enough hands with the odds against me, I'm going to lose money. But the house, even though it doesn't win every hand, if it plays enough with the odds on its side, which it is, it's a mathematical certainty that they're going to win. So that's what we try to do for our investors. We use statistics to make investment choices where the math is on their side. So you play enough hands like that, then you should outperform the market over time. Got it. So essentially, you're talking about using math to pick the best stocks in the market. Um, so it, it, are we talking more fundamental analysis, technical analysis? How would you sort of peg that? Yeah, it's a little bit of both. And actually, you have to use both, right? So longer term, the market generally reverts to fundamentals. And that's like, what's the valuation of the company? Um you know, are they are they, they have too much debt? Uh, are they using their assets efficiently? But shorter term, it generally trades off of technicals, which is market momentum, relative strength, and all the algorithms. Uh, Two thirds of the market is traded off of computer algorithms, if not more these days. And so those are all technicals and not mostly non fundamental characteristics. So if you ignore that side, you're gonna, probably going to get run over. So you need to look at both. Absolutely. I, I can see why it's it's part of the big picture. Um, so let's say you're a retail trader, novice trader, and you're interested in using a quantitative asset management as a strategy for picking the best stocks. What are the benefits uh, as, as a retail trader of using this strategy? Yeah, I, th I think the benefits are massive. So the, what the research says for a retail trader, and this is why so many day traders go out of business and the, the numbers say more than 80% or 90% of day traders go out of business in the first year. But even retail investors, they tend to underperform inflation. So what that means is over time, they actually erode their own purchasing power. And mostly that's because of people's biases. So they, they have confirmation bias. Hey, I have a concept. I think I'm going to be looking for information about why this theory I have is correct. And I'm going to jump into it. But if you use quantitative strategies, there, there are no biases, or at least you dramatically reduce your biases. I mean, there's obviously biases when you're trying to implement particular strategies and what you, when, and when you choose to do them. But if you are using a systematic approach, it really eliminates a lot of your biases and helps you make better decisions. And in fact, this easy example is, you know, this last year, or well, two years before that, a lot of people were involved in tech. And I've lived through this before in the dot com, where people just want to buy the apples of the world and NVIDIA's and Salesforce and all the ones that are trade moving up. But they don't look at the rest of the market because they think tech is the only place to be. And it's just, and then when tech crashes, they're a little bit at a loss. And they just are hoping that it's going to come back. But hope is not a strategy. And the math would say that when a sector crashes or causes the market to go into a bear market, it, it basically has never led out of the bear market. So technology brought the market down in this particular case. Still, people I find, retail traders, are finding that they, they think tech is going to lead back out. And they want to buy Amazon and Apple and Microsoft at these depressed prices. But the multiples are still high. And if they're not looking at the overall market, which a systematic, um, you know, quantitative strategy will do, then they're shortchanging themselves and they're probably going to underperform long term. 
Oh, wow. I, I see what you're talking about there. It, it couldn't be detrimental if you don't follow something like this. Certainly the benefits of uh, quantitative asset management, like as you said, it does reduce, reduce some of those biases and errors you might find. Yeah. Um, you can also test ahead of time before you start trading, right? And, and it can definitely be used um, to save time in the trading process, it sounds like, something that investors could really benefit from. Um, but there are some drawbacks as well. Uh, with quantitative asset management, as there are with any sh uh, strategy for investors. Sure. W w what are some of the disadvantages of this strategy? Well, as you pointed out, nothing works all the time, right? So if I have a quantitative strategy and let's say the market is, uh, maybe this is unfair, unfairly biased phrasing from for me, but if, I'm, if the market is going into a period of irrationality, mm -hmm. like during the dot-com craze or even post-COVID when the Fed added $6 trillion to the economy to, to prop up the economy, money had to flow somewhere. And um, in some cases, when when things are in disjointedness, it doesn't, the market doesn't act as it typically would. So then your quantitative analysis is based off of kind of a normal market. And if that normal market isn't really in existence or in, in that moment operating the way your quantitative analysis kind of would expect it, you're probably going to under, underperform in that case. So like for COVID, um, just an easy example, Apple stock, which is an amazing company, obviously, mm -hmm. uh, traded pre-COVID, traded at a PE ratio, which is price to earnings, meaning what's the price and how much earnings did Apple have? And that PE ratio um, is really can be thought of as how much is an investor willing to pay for a dollar of earnings? So that's a way to compare companies across different sectors and segments in time. So, um, you know, one company might make a dollar in earnings and one company might make $40 and one company might make $2 or 12 cents. But you don't really know whether the company making $40 is worth more than the company making 12 cents unless you look at the ratio. You don't understand the, the ratio causes the valuation. So the PE ratio for Apple was 15 for like 10 years pre-COVID. So still an amazing company, was still doing, crushing it, still the one of the best companies on the planet. And then when the, the stimulus came in, mm. it traded up to a PE ratio over 40. Mm. Wasn't growing any faster, didn't launch any new products, didn't do anything outside of just be the benefactor of all that stimulus. Um, and what quantitative investing would suggest would tell you is at some point when those fundamentals get too high, you got to stop buying the stock because it can't be a great investment moving forward. It may still be a great company making amazing products. Doesn't make it a great investment. And people are still stuck on this with Apple. Now, again, I love Apple as a company, but even now it's trading at a PE of over 20, probably like 20, 25 ish. So arguably it's still really expensive. Um, but people still say, hey, it's at a bargain. But I, you know, the quantitative numbers would not say it is at a bargain. Good point. When we return, we'll hear from Stuart about mistakes that investors are making today and his outlook for the market's potential decline and rise in 2023. But first, a word from our sponsor. Let's be honest. Networking for professionals is a pain in the ass. 
and the few options available are full of spam and people wanting to connect with you just to sell you something. So, a group of creatives launched a solution for this. It's on Meet, a new social network that allows users to connect with you only if they buy you a coffee first as a way to show their real interest. And after the coffee is accepted, a chat unlocks and you can redeem your own drink at Starbucks. It's that simple. It's on Meet users absolutely love this networking platform because it provides a way to find mentors, connections, and even job opportunities just by doing a nice thing like sending a coffee. So if you're tired of the spam and the unwanted connections, check out It's On Meet. Go to itsonmeet.com and download the app for iOS or Android. It's On Meet. They'll meet you for a drink. And now, back to today's discussion. So, uh, Stuart, today we're talking about quantitative asset management. Uh, you mentioned just earlier about Apple as an example, how some investors are making mistakes with their investing strategies. Some of them may not be using quantitative asset management. Um, I'm curious, among retail traders and retail investors, what mistakes have you seen that cohort make over the past year or two with regards to investing? Oh, yeah. Well, I mentioned, I mentioned one of them where they just tend to be myopic, right? They, they get it. Most people get it in their head that this is the sector, or these are the stocks, or these are, they, they get emotional about a particular stock. And quite, you know, quantitative, the stock's not going to be emotional about you. Like it doesn't care whether you own it or not. It doesn't care where you bought it at or not. Doesn't care that you had a loss in it or not. So if I bought a particular company and I have a loss and then you bought it and you have a gain in it, what tends to happen is with a retail investor, they tend to hold on to the company with the loss because I can't sell it and lock in that loss. And then you might sell it because you're at a gain, but that's just our own path. What, where our path was has no bearing on where the Apple stock is going to go from that point in time. And you and I are making different decisions based off of our own path and the losses. And it really is somewhat it's overweighted in people's decision making so um that's where quant comes in and those are some of the mistakes people make they just kind of let their own biases um take hold people will also again this is all research mm -hmm. this is not me saying this research will say that generally people kind of remember their winners and forget their losers mm. and so when they look at their own strategy like oh i'm doing awesome because i own netflix and apple and i did all these great things and then when they drop kind of in their head they have this convenient amnesia where they're like well you know it just dropped for the short period of time but when you look at how they actually performed and you do an analysis they most retail traders do a lot worse than they think they did because they're remembering what when they did well it's just human nature. Yeah. So that's why when you use math to like really take a scorecard, um, it helps you really evaluate whether your strategy is working or not. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to take a loss when you're investing. It's not the end of the world. Um, yeah. And so using math, using quantitative asset management um, can be one of those ways to, to help with that for sure. Um so uh, Stuart, you know, we look at the we look at the market here in 2023. 
Um, there are a lot of fears of a potential recession this year. Um, in last year, in 2022, stocks did not perform well. Most stocks were down. Uh, how might the quantitative asset management strategy um, be used in a market that we have here in 2023? Yeah, I mean, it. quite frankly, it saved our clients a ton of money in 2022. Um, you know, I'm not saying we were positive because that just wasn't the case. But in early January of last year, just about the same time, we do a um, market outlook. And our market outlook at the time made a fundamental call and said, when the markets were at these multiples in the history of the stock market, it had never had good forward five-year returns. It never happened. Now, that certainly doesn't mean it can't happen because the stock market has proven over and over again that it can do something it has never done before. But again, we're trying to invest with the odds on our side. So... To bet on something that is very unlikely is not in line with quantitative investing. So we really reduced our equity. Now, we didn't go to zero on our equity because we just didn't know. But we did place a big bet and reduced probably 50% of our equity exposure for our clients across the board nice. in early January of last year. Um, because their options were either we were going to get roughly no return or a slight return, and you were going to get volatility, or you were going to get a decline. Neither one was particularly a good option for us. And so we got out of equities at the time. Now, quant, just a, just a very high level quant um, strategy, we look at the PE ratios. Again, I'm going to go back to this. We use many more metrics besides PE, but the PE ratios of the market were in the 20s and inflation was basically at 1%. And if you have those two added together, that number is over 20 then the market tends to be kind of expensive. And so with a PE ratio of around 21, 22, and inflation around one, it was clearly an expensive market. Mm. Today, the market has come off about 20% from there. So the PE ratio is around 17. Still expensive from a long-term standpoint, which the average PE ratio is around 15 or 16. So still expensive. But the inflation rate is now at seven. So the math the quant side would suggest we might be even more expensive today than we were back in January. So we are not adding to our equity exposure anytime soon. There, there is a good possibility that you could see another 20% decline. Now, again, this is a little bit of art and a little bit less quant, but when you look at a couple of things, you look at the average drawdown of recessions and mm -hmm. they tend to last more than 500 days and it tends to be a drawdown of about 39 and a half percent and we're about you know 350 days in mm -hmm. and about 20 percent in so we got about another three months maybe another 15 percent down now again looking at the math usually the stock market or the s p bottoms out about three months before the economy does. So if you're thinking a recession and the math would suggest a recession is coming in about six months, that means in about three months, you should see a bottoming of the S&P. So to get away from the technical, uh, from the fundamentals and move into the technicals, what we have seen in a technical indicator are all throughout 2022, higher, I'm sorry, lower highs mm -hmm. and lower lows. It's just a very fundamental technical term. Whenever you see a pattern of just lower lows and lower highs, the, the quants or the algorithms tend to trade off of that. When they hit to a particular channel of that lower high, then they start to sell. 
and the selling creates more supply and that supply creates lower prices and those lower prices create a drop and create more selling. So when the algorithm starts selling into this, it tends to be a little self-fulfilling until they get to the bottom of that channel and then form a lower low and then maybe they start buying it temporarily. So what we think the numbers say is that we're going to go through and retest the last lows that we saw. Um, and we believe that the next set of lows will be the last set in this um, downturn and that we should have a, a reasonable swing up after that. And that should take us to below fair value in the market. Because normally, when you, again, you look at history, you don't go from expensive to fair value. You go from expensive to cheap. You, you don't just stop at, oh, we're good, fair value. You usually get to cheap mm -hmm. when people say, okay, now we have to start buying. Um, so that normally happens. Mm -hmm. And then, um, so that should happen in the first first quarter, early second quarter. Well, so, yeah. <laughs> we'll keep an eye out for that. Uh, hopefully the bottom is, well, hopefully it's right around the corner. We'll, we'll, we'll see yeah. though. <laughs> um, Stuart, thank you so much for coming on the Early Bird Podcast discussing you know, quantitative investing and quantitative asset management, how investors could use it, I think is incredibly informative. Um, before we wrap up the show, I just have one final question, and it's the most important question for today's discussion. Um, that question for you, Stuart, is if you could be fluent in another language right now, which would you choose and why? Uh, it's, it's funny you ask me that. So it's a little bit unfair. So uh, um, I've been married uh, coming up on, I don't know, 17 years, I think. We have four kids. My wife was born in Iran. She immigrated to Canada when she was 11. She went to Michigan Law School, and then I met her in Chicago. But she speaks fluent Farsi, um, as does the rest of her family. So if I could just snap my fingers, that would be the language for me. Thank you again to Stuart Cruz for sharing your insights on investing. And thank you to everyone for listening to today's discussion. We'll be back next week for another episode of Early Bird. Have a great day. Mm -hmm.